Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Thanks to everybody who listened to the episode on the early Digipaint era. I that that was a thing that popped into my brain, and I really wanted to talk about. So I'm happy people seem to like talk, seem to like listening to it. And also thanks to everybody who listened to my um, episode on the CGI remake of the first Pokemon movie. That was that was a fun, weird thing to watch. Um, but before we get started, especially if you're in the United States, I just, I just want to pause here and say, like, are you okay? Because <laughs> cause I... No one's okay in the United States currently because it's... We've, actually, we've escalated somehow from, like, trash can fire to dumpster fire to, like... Moving trash barge fire. It just it like the escalation has been phenomenal and bad. So just I want to say like one of the reasons why I started the Sunday edition was because I thought that people could use more some more distraction in their life, some more um, focus, so to speak, on what. Uh, uh, some more ways to focus on something else other than, oh yeah, the country's in a sad, sad shit sack of a state. And just stop thinking about it for five seconds, because I, I know as a older otaku that it can be easy to focus on the fact that everything's on fire and it sucks and R.I.P. America, we, we had a good 250-year run. <laughs> Um, kind of thing. But I just, so I just wanted to say, like, you know, whatever happens will happen. Looks like it's going to go good. If it goes bad, hopefully you live in fucking Oregon. (laughs) Or one of the many states, including my state, New Jersey, that just legalized weed. Um, but (laughs) the hilarious thing about Oregon is if you are on TikTok... You'd swear that Oregon just legalized fucking everything. Because <laughs> TikTok seems to believe that Oregon legalized all drugs. When really they just probably legalized weed. It's fine. So, yeah. It, it's just hilarious. Um, but. So. Today I want to talk about something. That I'm going to call. A surprise. And when we get to it, and when we get to the reveal of the surprise, you'll understand why. So, what if I was to tell you that there was a sports show that featured a, like, a... A odd but somehow still charismatic. A odd but still somehow charismatic main character who rises up through the ranks of her chosen competitive endeavor to to challenge the best of the uh, of that the world has to offer, and along the way she meets a cast of. Really fleshed out, really complex, interesting, talented competitors who then go on to help her achieve further heights 
as she struggles against the against a ceiling of an all but impossible like final challenger. That sounds like a great sports anime, right? Well, here's the thing. It's not an anime. And I've, I've talked about non-anime on here before, but this is the reason why I wanted to make this a surprise is because this is probably the furthest stretch I've talked about. And actually, I'm going to use it to kind of... I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, which means I'm committing to it. I'm going to use it to kick off a like series of Sunday editions that I'm just going to call, you know, Under the Influence of Anime. And... The thing I want to talk about today is a Netflix a Netflix a Netflix limited series called Queen's Gambit. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because when I'm when I'm sitting there, when I was sitting watching Queen's Gambit and I've been going like an episode a night or something um episode episode a night sometimes is what I'm going to say. In some nights I don't watch an episode, but um, the, the thing that struck me, like, struck me at the core of my soul is what I am watching and what all the people who are watching Queen's Gambit, which is a really popular show, a really popular Netflix show right now, are watching. They are watching a really excellent sports anime. And what... What I mean by that, and by the way, if you're watching Queen's Gambit and you don't want to be spoiled, spoiler alert. Um, I, although I haven't made it through the whole thing, it's just, I, it so unbelievably stuns me how much of the, how much the fact that, like, we are all sitting down and collectively watching a sports anime and nobody told us kind of thing is, is because everything I just said about Queen's Gambit is incredibly true. File off, file off the serial number of the show, and you could apply it to something like Yuri on Ice, something like, um, something like, um, almost like Megalobox in some ways. It has, it has some oddities in it. That it has some oddities in it that are uniquely, how should I put this, that are uniquely um, its own because it is chief. It is, and the other thing about this is, and it's not based on a true story. It's a fantasy story, from what I can understand, of a young girl who gets orphaned by a horrible car crash in which her mother dies. Her um. You believe that her father had disappeared or was, he did, he did, he, like, was vanished from her life when she was a young, young child. And so she grew up in, she grew up in a, um, orphanage. And she grew up alongside a, a, a young black woman. And she... This is kind of constant disconnection she has. Um, so, if you watch um, Megalobox, which if you haven't watched Megalobox, what are you doing? Go watch Megalobox. It dubbed on. It dubbed and subbed on Netflix. It's 
dubbed and subbed, actually, yes, on Netflix right now. You can go fucking watch it. It's also on um, Funimation. That's where I'm doing my um, slow rewatch of that series on. But the thing about, um, the thing that's true about lots of sports anime, and that, and is ultimately true here, is you know when you meet the final boss of the show, so to speak. And the, and the reason why you know is because generally the final boss is like so, he's so high up the ladder compared to your, like, you know, cheeky main character that he, like, he doesn't, there's no emotion, there's like no emotion not because he is emotionless, but only because he had not perceived you, the character, in a real way until you give him a reason to perceive you. And... Or he perceives you because of your, like... He perceives the main character because of the main character's reputation. And the main character then either either proven to be worthy or not proven to be worthy yet or whatever. Um, and just the whole... The whole show... And I'm I'm being serious. If you, if you are an avid sports anime watcher, go watch Queen's Gambit. You will not be disappointed. It may you may be like chess, really? No, chess, really. And and that shouldn't be a big leap. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh made card games into made a children's card game into like the end of the world scenario. This isn't that fantastic. This isn't as fantastical by any means, but it has, it has a, it has a, like, like I said, very odd but charismatic main character who is clearly filling some hole in her life with chess. Like, chess has become her driving force. Um, you have all these side characters at every point who are, who become everything from love interests to, like, trainers to coaches to to friends to, like, friends with benefits and all these, like, complicated things and all these complicated in-between. And in the way that... And one of my really early episodes, which I think is still listenable, I'm not sure with my super early episodes what... What what's broke good and what broke bad when I did the transfer over to Anchor. But in one of my really earliest episodes, I talked about um, Yuri on Ice. And, but what I talked about with Yuri on Ice is not the light, it's not the queer aspect of it or even the competitive aspect of it. I talked about the realization of what it's like to be an Olympic, like a world-class athlete. And that's a very different, it's a very different universe to exist in as a world-class competitor at something. And uh, I say competitor at something because there are all kinds of competitions that would be considered sports or esports or competitive board games like 
competitive chess. And it's it's such a it's a really small pool of people comparatively. Like if you think about um professional athletes, professional athletes are super talent or e- even like your stock standard not does not do very well in the league of whatever league it is. Professional athlete is a hundred, a thousand, a million times better than your standard, normal person at that sport or thing. So, you meet... So when, And this... Queen's Gambit does a really good job of, like, placing the competitive chess players that, um... That, um, Beth, the main character, meets along the way on a different level from the rest of the people in the... From the rest of the characters in the show. The rest of the characters in the show are just people. The chess players are, like, these finely tuned oddities in whatever area they're in. Yes, there are some just, like, background chess players who are just there to, like, get beaten by somebody and move on. But... You also have this um, this character who is a chess player from New York City, and he is like this weird combo of like um, he has this weird combo of like imagine imagine if um. If um, you saw somebody cosplaying, if you saw somebody at um, at if you saw somebody cosplaying at um, if you saw somebody cosplaying at like a con as Indiana Jones, but like he only got partway there, and he was also kind of an edge lord and. He, so as such, he decided he needs to carry a blade, like a, like a hunting knife. And it's just like, when I give you that character, that person, you see a person. Now imagine he is unendingly talented at chess. And that is the character of Matt from, um... From um, Queen's Gambit. And actually that's the character of um, Benny. The character of Benny. Sorry, that's the character of Benny from Queen's Gambit. And I just got to the point in the series. I think it's like an eight episode series. Where he shows. Where he like starts to play more of a role. In Elizabeth's. In um, Beth's like competitive training. And it's this unique interesting moment because I that when they introduced him as the American champion it was that moment like so I'm gonna I'm gonna use a very weird show to compare this to have you ever seen Beyblades and not I'm not talking about like Beyblades rip cords or whatever the fuck they've got for Beyblades now but have you ever 
Actually, f- for um, the people who listen to my show, I'm actually going to swap it to Zoids. There are scenes in Zoids where you meet the Zoids pilot. you meet the Zoid pilots outside of the arena of Zoids, specifically um, in uh, Zoids New Century Zero. You meet um, the Lightning Sykes um, Zoid pilot. I forget his name. Um, the guy who's a mercenary. You meet him and like Bit meets him in a cafe, and they have this like. Meets them in like a video game cafe, and they have this like cute um competition of like who can get the better score, and bit wins, and that's your introduction to that to that compet to that like uniquely interesting competitive character. They do the same thing with um with Benny and. The thing that they do with Benny that's really interesting is they, um, Elizabeth is competing in, um, she's competing in Mexico, I believe. And the, and the key, and the key thing here is she walks past the table where two guys are playing chess and she watches them and she realizes that the guy in the, like, Indiana, bad, floppy Indiana Jones hat is really good. And she introduces herself, and he introduces himself, and she kind of realizes, like, oh, you're the American champion. Are you here to play? He's like, no, I'm just here to say hi to some friends. And there's, there's this really... And they do that, and they do something similar later with both of them, once they become co-champions, because they're forced to play to a draw in Las Vegas. Um... You encounter the character, but the at a competition that he is above. He does not care about. In fact, there's only one person who he would consider playing in that competition, and you find out later that player is the is is one of the big bads of is the like big bad of the show, and you just it just. It, like, reeks upside down backwards of, like, a sports anime introduction of, like, oh, he's a badass, but he's not here to play because this is beneath him. And then he walks off. And later in the show, I think actually the next episode, because these episodes are, like, an hour long or something, um, she faces him in Las Vegas a few months later. And... He is the only person who she has ever played when she played him to a draw. And they and that's how they come to share the title of American champion of American chess champion. Because up until and a couple episodes later, a couple like a year down the line basically, she beats him. She beats him. But not be, but they do all this careful development of the side cast using their relationship to the main character, which is a which is a really common trait in sport in sports anime um, in sports anime in general. Oftentimes, you'll get episodes that focus on 
on, you know, different teams doing different things, and you'll get peeks at what other episodes and what other characters are doing and what other teams are doing. Um, a pretty amazing sports anime. Um, this called is called IGPX. I did a episode on it a long time ago. You can find it in the feed. Is it's really built on top of the relationships, all the the main cast of the of um, IGPX has with the supporting cast of IGPX, and it's all this like it's eventually one of the main cast members, the main character Takashi, ends up dating one of the girls on a competitive on one of their um one of the teams they're they're going to one of the teams that they will ultimately have to face off on. And that show does a really good job of writing relationships in a way that it doesn't need to. And oftentimes that's one of the ways that sports anime that all sports anime brings up the brings up the emotional value of each match is like you see somebody absolutely demolish a side character who you have like who you've just like you've grown to like because they were a bad guy now they're a good guy the um I forget his name, the Kuroko's basketball player who has the ability to, like, copy anybody's style perfectly. There's a great, I think it's like a run of episodes in the first season of Kuroko's basketball where he goes up against a, one of the most powerful teams, players in that show, and they focus on him, and all the main characters are sidelined, and you're just, like, you focus in on... This thing because you care about that character. I'm not super sure that Queen's Gambit has done enough character work with the side characters to earn that, to earn being able to pull that off. But I do know that they have, through a lot of character work, gotten you to care about, you know, Benny, gotten you to care about, um, the character Towns, or, um, any number of the other characters who you encounter, gotten you to care about, um, all of them, and it, the, the, it so stunned me, because, Oftentimes, you see, and this is the reason why I am going to launch that thing that I talked about, the, like, Under the Influence um, Sunday Edition series, which I'm probably going to do um, about three different episodes about. Uh, it's going to be a three-episode series for the Sunday Edition thing. I, I have so rarely seen... A um, things that are so feel so influenced by anime and things that feel like they could exist 
alongside anime that are not just wholly inspired by it or wholly or just like hey that kid hey that kid in that one George Clooney movie has a um Evangelion statue and this and I know there's tons and tons and tons and tons of people who like to tell you that you know this thing is just like anime. That thing is just like anime. This thing is just like anime. If I wanted, if I wanted to make the case to you that Ocean's Eleven is an anime, it is is anime adjacent. I fucking could. And granted, I now re- super can because of um, what's that Netflix show? I did a um, because because of the Great Pretender. The Great Pretender. It's just a fucking Ocean's Eleven series, basically. But the difference between finding correlation in between like one show and one movie, or one show and one show, and finding such extreme similarity between this John. Between shows produced in this genre of anime and a show that is that genre that fits perfectly into that genre, except it's live action and produced by America by in America, and that's because I, even even a like crappy show like um. I'm actually not gonna call it crappy. I, I like this show. I'll be I'll be honest. I like the sumo. I like the swimsuit sumo. I like the swimsuit butt sumo fighting show a lot. But the um, Keijo does a lot of development of the side characters that you meet, and it does it really quickly, and it it expands a few. And I. Watching Keijo, you kind of, even as you were watching it when it was airing, you're like, oh, this thing's not getting another season. This thing is too fucking weird. It's like, we would have to hit like a Queen's Blade f- fetish, Queen's Blade esque fetish vein somehow in this show for this show to continue beyond the first season. And if you want more of Keijo, you can go find the manga. The manga is fucking wild. Um, but the, it does all the same things that, um, that Queensblade does, except with butt sumo fighting, um, except with pool butt sumo fighting. And the big difference is, is that Queen's Gambit is made in the vein of Elizabeth Harmon, the main character, is she is she she is the she is the animal running up into the monster running up into the monster's house. Doing once she found the monster, she's like, I need to kill it. And everybody else is like this. It's like this 
stepping stone in which she eventually steps on to get higher up in into the monster's tower. And there's this great scene where Benny just looks at her and after they've had this big competition, he goes, after they've been in this competition, and he goes, we should choose the guy in the third round. He looked like he wanted to kill himself. And, like, that, that's, like, that is the most sports anime sentence of, like, fuck, man, you don't have to be that mean to them. Um, there's a great, and I, um, talked about it in my, um, in my Haikyuu episode. The great, um, episode of Haikyuu where, um, Karasano goes up against a school that is dog shit, and they fucking know it. They just know they're bad at vol. They know they're bad at competitive volleyball at the level they're at, but they're doing their best. And like, hike, like Karasano realizes this and was like, oh, "Fuck, these guys aren't very good. Like, we're gonna have to play this game, and they're gonna get some points because that's just the way it goes." But we're not losing this. And you see some amount of the side characters like say like, hey, good game against them, even though they weren't much of a challenge. <laughs> it's fine. And th- so this show this show has mo- has more moments of stuff like that then it has moments of, like, genuine Elizabeth is fucked and she doesn't, like, she wins by the skin of her cheeks. And the, the great... The great thing that was established by Matthew Weiner... Well, not established by Matthew Weiner, but, like, he's the one who said it in a microphone, so he ended up getting credit for the concept, I guess. Um, right or wrong. But when he was making Mad Men... He thought about pitching it to HBO, but HBO didn't. HBO didn't. Like he ended up not. And he ended up pitching. I think HBO may have passed actually, but he ended up pitching it to AMC, and the rest is history, so they say. But the thing he said was, he said that he was actually glad that he didn't. That HBO didn't take it. Because on HBO, because HBO is in the cable network, you can show sex. On AMC, because AMC is still a, like, cable network, there's more restraints placed on him, and he can't show the act of intercourse. He can show directly before and directly after, but he can't, like, he can't show the act. And what Matthew Weiner ended up saying is he... That ended up being more interesting because the interesting thing about sex in stories isn't the sex. That's just there for because sex sells. Uh, the interesting thing is the consequences. And in Queen's Gambit, the you don't act when you get to um El- to Elizabeth and Benny's second match where they like face off to be the singular American champion. You. 
She beats him, but you never see it. You're told in no uncertain terms that she beat him. And he even says b before their match, like, you're way better than me now. Like, I, I made you, I played you. I don't think I could get away with that this time. You're better than you were. And that, when that comes to pass, you see the consequences of her winning that way. You see, the, the consequences are, Benny is like, shit, this girl's good enough to beat Russians. But she needs a little shine, like, she needs a little polishing first. And so he offers to take her to New York. And that's actually where I've ended the, well, like, I come to an end on the show. I haven't watched the rest of it because I'm watching with another person and I don't want to piss him off, blah, 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 blah. But the, the thing that this does that sports anime doesn't do, it has the advantage of tons of other stuff too. Um, and unfortunately, and this is, this is true for all media, Media, like any form of media, is an echo chamber into itself. So, animation, its first... Animation's first source of inspiration is other animation. That makes total sense. Um, there's a montage you can go look up online of the Akira bike slide in, like, not... In, like, 60 different shows. Like, 60 different variations on... The Akira sideways bike slide. <laughs> and it's all this homage to this original work. In that same way, oftentimes when a character is... When a really popular character shows up in a show, you start to see iterations on that character. You start to see little tweaks on that character. Um, and... It, it it has a, it has this like weird effect on the industry, and that's because everybody read everybody every manga artist reads every other manga artist just to stay relevant and see what they're doing. And I've used a phrase in a recent live stream, which by the way, if you want to watch me, um, draw draw on Instagram, I have a whole fancy live streaming setup thing now. That I can use to like stream my actual process, which is great. But um, the good what I'm what I, what I said there, and I'll say it here is: good artists borrow, great artists steal. And what that means is, great artists never stop consuming art, so they can pull things into their work. If you look at if you look at say, The Great Pretender, a show I brought up earlier, I can guarantee you there's no way that, no way, the original creator of Great Pretender did not just watch possibly every fucking heist movie ever made. He just did. Like, all the Ocean's Eleven movies, Italian Job, you know, all of them. Um, what's it called? That um, Sean Connery... Uh, that Sean Connery movie, Catch Me If You Can, um, Gone in 60 Seconds, all those movies. And he, like, boiled them, he boiled influence from all of them into all these different aspects, I'm sure, of 
the great pretender. Um, one of the reasons why oftentimes it feels like there's a slight veneer of Japanese culture over a lot of anime is because anime is culturally Japanese, generally speaking. It's not solely produced in Japan. It's produced primarily in Japan with tons of help from other countries, trust me. Um, but it is culturally rooted in Japan. So that inspiration leaks out into all the work. Sometimes it's a really strong... Sometimes the leak is really pure and strong, like something like Bleach or something like Demon Slayer. But sometimes it's really slight, like... Um, like D. Gray Man. D. Gray Man is intensely inspired by like D. Gray Man's look, at least, and even D. Gray Man's story is intensely inspired by like you know gothic art, um, clown paintings, all kinds of insane shit. And but yet when they when the monsters are called Akuma, and there are very Japanese specific terms all over that show and property. And what I'm trying to get at is is that one of the thing the thing that separates Queen Game out from a traditional sports anime is it is drawing from a different it is drawing from a, an immediately wider array of stuff. And what I mean by that is it's it is looking at shows like Mad Men. It's absolutely looking at fucking Mad Men. I can guarantee it. It's looking at shows like Breaking Bad. It is looking at shows... It is looking at, you know, peak TV shows. And drawing inspiration from those things. For instance, I haven't told you yet that Elizabeth is a drug addict. <laughs> or or is a drug addict for when... She, who becomes addicted to drugs as a child in an orphanage. Uh, she is an orphan. And they do all the character building, they do all the background character building things that you expect like a peak TV American television show to do. And not that anime isn't capable of doing that, but generally speaking, I... The sport, the world of sports anime isn't super interested in that all the time. And, but the other half of it is that Queen's Gambit marries that, like, peak TV aspect of itself with the, like, competitive, with the, like, awesome, competitive, riveting, with the awesome, rivetingly competitive, um... Stylings of something like Kuroko basketball, or something like um, even Yu-Gi-Oh, or something like um, Beyblade, or um, Zoe's New Century Zero, or all of these shows that, or even um, another great example, and probably the thing that like inexplicably linked this in my head was that this sh a show this year, a show that's 
airing right now, Climbing Girls. Um, I forget the um, top title of it, but the subtitle is Climbing Girls. If I say Climbing Girls, you'll know what I'm talking about. That show does a great job of introducing you to all of these characters and does it fucking up front. Like, as soon as it's capable of doing it, it's like, here are the bad bitches that these, that these girls have got to beat. And it sets up this rogues, this rogues gallery of characters where you know you're going to encounter this character, this character, this character, this character, has already set one up for you to be like, oh, she's terrifying. I don't like her. She's a spider lady and she scares me. And this, Queen's Gambit is doing that, is doing just that. It is taking the steps of bringing you through a real competitive world. Actually, the, be the, best, the best comparison to it is actually Yuri on Ice, believe it or not. Because that... Yuri on Ice had the same kind of stakes in the same, with the same kind of magnitude where competitive rock climbing, I'm sure if you're in it, is this big, beautiful, super competitive world. But... Until it was going to be, until it was slated for the next Olympic Games, which we're hoping will happen in 2021 in Japan, fucking Jesus, um, most people didn't think about competitive climbing. The, the news had to introduce people to competitive climbing. I did not see competitive climbing until I was getting pizza after they announced it, and I saw a girl, f uh, and actually I saw the Japanese, um, I saw a Japanese competition of it. I saw this girl fucking spider monkeying her way up a wall. And I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome. But everybody understands that chess is a competitive, can be a competitive endeavor. You can make money at chess. Everybody understands that the same thing is true of Olympic level figure skating. That like if you figure skate well enough, you can be an Olympic competitor. You can win a lot. You can make a lot of money with the fact that you ice skate real good. And it it ends up the the like one to one comparison is super interesting because it, the focus in Yuri on Ice is really on is really on Yuri, the main character. Um, Victor there and Russian Yuri is also there, but Yuri is focused in on in a way that, like, you get to see the other characters, like, you get to see JJ, you get to see all of these other interesting personalities, but it's all in the context of the main character, and that is really what is also true of Queen's Gambit. So, if what what I would say is, if you like Yuri on Ice, I think you should watch Queen's Gambit from Netflix on Netflix. Now, I'm not trying to say that, like, that's a one-to-one, -one, but, or necessarily always say, like, if you like this, you should go watch this. I kind of hate that, because oftentimes... And this is where I'll leave it, really. Oftentimes, when I am asked to suggest anime, 
I won't ask somebody what anime they like. I'll ask somebody what they like. Like, what stuff they've liked. Period. Like, what mu- what, what's your favorite kind of music? What's your favorite kind of TV show? What video games do you play? All this other stuff. Or I'll know that about the person by the time they ask me. And I'll be like, you should watch this show. I think you'd really dig it. And if people tend to take those advice, take that advice, they come back to me and they're like, holy shit, that was really good. What else is like that? And that's a better way than saying, if you like this, you should watch this. And that's not necessarily the worst way, but it it misses the opportunity of expanding somebody's horizon with something that they would never see. Like, if somebody's really into punk rock music, and you don't say, and they ask you about anime, you don't sit them the fuck down and say, watch the shit out of Nana. I don't know what to do with you. And, and there are millions of reasons why they could say they don't like it, but I would bet like no this is this is kind of cool even if they don't stick with it and that's why i'm saying in this case if you tend to like competitive well built out competitive world competitive stories about competitors and with good world building and good and like a great supporting cast then you should probably check out you know, um, Queen's Gambit. Or if if you're interested in board games, or if you're interested in, you know, uh, if you're interested in, like, the, the world building around Yuri on Ice, which, it, which I actually talked, what that episode was about, which was about, like, this, like, seeing what it's like to be an Olympic level level competitor is the secret joy of watching Yuri on Ice. The the end sequence of Yuri on Ice is about the secret joy of Yuri on Ice of going all over the world and like encountering your friend from Russia at in like Argentina because there's a competition there. And I think that, and uh, Queen Gambit only just got into that aspect of um of the competitive world of chess so to speak but i think it's really thriving in that space i think if they have i'm not sure that the thing the thing that i wonder though is and this is a this is a hajime no no ipo question (laughs) um which is a which also an interesting one-to-one kind of one-to-one moment with Queen's Gambit, in that in Hajime no Ippo, ultimately, Ippo is the... It is the Japanese... achieves his goal of being the Japanese... feather of being the Japanese lightweight champion in boxing. And then he meets the world champion. And the whole universe just like expands immediately. It's like it's like he got through the first door and then the double doors and he 
opens them and there's a whole nother world behind them. And I wonder I wonder if Queen's Gambit has any interest in that. I'm not sure it does. I think it's actually going down more of a um, Ashida no Joe territory, which if you know anything about Ashida no Joe, I won't spoil it here because they're making a second season of Megalobox, and Megalobox is just that show, but in the future and cool. So it, that that's my big question with it is it, if they were going to make a second season of this, how would that work? But the first season is riveting, and I've, I've, sitting watching, I'm like, this is, this is just fucking sports anime. This is, that's why this is so excellent. This is just sports anime! God damn it! And I just, so, I encourage you, I, and the reason why I am going to title this Surprise, and I'm not going to put a the opening or ending for the show in it is because I really want it to be a surprise for you to listen to this because I don't and you guys have listened to some real down the rabbit hole stuff from me <laughs> the Sunday show is proof of that but I and you guys also love the, the episode on Tokyo Vice apparently so I, I thought I'd talk about something that's less anime adjacent um, on a technical level, but spiritually, is, it's really up there with the best sports anime that's on offer. I promise. So yeah, you can go check it out on Netflix right now. It's a Netflix producing so that's where it is sorry um but if you like this episode this is an unusual episode um i i will you you can you can follow you can follow the podcast by subscribing and whatever you're using to listen to me right now um you can help the podcast by sharing it with your friends that helps the podcast get more listeners which is which I'm always happy about. So um, until Sunday, in which the first episode of Under the Influence, of Sunday edition Under the Influence, will be posted. I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. And I will talk to you on Sunday.